Hi, I'm Rach. And I'm Sue. And this is the Georgia Hair Podcast. And today we'll be talking about the reluctant widow. So Rachel, how have you been this week? What's been going on? Um, so it's been hot in England this week in, in, in the UK. Um, and right now I'm at the top of the house and I am melting a little bit, but um, we're not going to complain because um, we're not going to live up to that stereotype. It's, it's great. It's lovely to have a bit of sun. Um, I just maybe 25 is a good, 25 degrees Celsius is a good heat for me. That's, and that's where I want it to stay. Anything above that and you tend to get angry and flustered Mm. like a chicken that's had its feathers ruffled, which is really fun for everyone on the outside looking in. Deeply unpleasant for you. That's a good description. So that's how my week's been. How about you? That's rough. Um, Well, yesterday a part of our air conditioning in the car melted it was so hot but we have got that fixed and then other than that it's been a showbiz week Rach um Monday I was at a photo shoot for a fashion designer today I met two dancers from Strictly Come Dancing they were both lovely I point out I I don't work in showbiz I work in the public sector I spend 80% of my job sitting at a desk probably looking at spreadsheets um so this is not normal for me but it was lovely so how did this come about then? Because yeah, I know what you do, and and unless I, I can't think how how strictly come dancing dancers fit into your world. <laughs> no, I'm going to leave it as a mystery. Okay. Now I'm wondering what you do, <laughs> what you really do. Anyway, um, so yeah, it's been a glamorous a glamorous week. I've probably heard the word fabulous used more in one day than I have in a year usually but that's great everyone's very positive have you had enough of positivity now yeah (laughs) can we get to some murder please and talk about the reluctant widow let's do it yeah great okay let's kick off with our traditional summary um eleanor rochdale is a well-born young lady reduced to working as a governess on her way to a new post she steps into the wrong carriage and finds herself at high noons where the high-handed but eminently capable Carlian ropes her into marrying his never-do-well cousin Eustace Cheviot on his deathbed. But where has Eustace hidden secret papers sought by a French spy? Eleanor and the Carlian brothers are determined to find out. Have I mispronounced any of those names? Not as far as I am aware. <laughs> okay, that's a good start. You should write the, the back of these books, Sue. That was a, that was a great summary. <laughs> I think I probably ripped it off from the back of a book, to be honest. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, The Reluctant Widow, fantastic kind of tone and atmosphere to it, I think. It gets off to such a good start with this sort of immediate yeah. rags-to-riches story, or riches-to-rags-to-riches, I suppose, where yeah. this impoverished governess who's fallen upon hard times steps into the wrong carriage and then lands herself in this amazing adventure. Yeah, it's good. It has a tiny bit of a, a gothic-y feel, but mm, not absolutely not proper gothic. Yeah, and it's yeah. And when she draws up the house, mm. so she's in the carriage, draws up the house, and there's you know there's creepers on the and then there's um, yes. it's all a bit and there's Barrow the retainer, who's is sort yeah. of like a yeah a fantastic butler for that kind of residence, very ominous and sort of. I don't know, suspicious looking, I suppose. Although he, he seems like a nice guy. Um, 
yeah and then she just kind of lands on her feet in a sort of cinderella way i suppose where she's given us yeah. opportunity I mean, to marry and is it t- is it <laughs> is it that good an opportunity <laughs> like, yeah i think you have been fooled by carly and like the rest of them <laughs> <laughs> he's so convincing and reasonable i know i know no i know what you mean so he, he does make it very clear so yeah I, that involves one of the best conversations as well doesn't it where yeah. he's trying to explain what what kind of man Eustace Cheviot is while she thinks that he's the father of her prospective um, pupil, yeah. a seven-year-old boy. So Carlian's there talking about how Brandy is his weakness. Yeah. <laughs> and Eleanor's there thinking, oh, this is um, not what I expected. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great scene. And then you know before she realizes yeah. that, that maybe she stepped into the wrong carriage and this is not <laughs> this yeah. is not what she was expecting. A lovely bit of dramatic irony there. Um, but-, but then while she's there, she might as well marry his cousin who he's trying to um, marry off. Yeah, yeah. Because before it became um, really quite urgent because Eustace had been stabbed or accidentally a little bit stabbed he, he, he fell, fell on he a fell on a knife dagger. it can happen no. um yeah she was kind of saying look i can't do it i can't profit from this i'm not happy with it and then it was only really mm-hmm. because carlian appealed to her kindness to help him out of a jam yeah. that she did it i mean he he didn't give her a lot of a choice no and and yeah so it, it was like, you need to do this for me now. Um, <laughs> and she sort of got swept along with the whole thing. She was in the carriage. Yeah. I, th- I think originally there was a little bit of, um, okay, let's have a debate about it. We've got a bit of time on our hands. As soon as mm. they didn't have time at their ha- on their hands, it was like, well, it's, it's been nice debating about it, but you're going to do it now. Like it or not. Yeah. Stop being silly. He yeah. is high-handed. He is high-handed, and he does sort of admit that in the end, doesn't he? We can get yes, to that later. he does. Um, but there's... I've also read books that I really enjoy where a put-upon governess or someone similar inherits a property and she does it up mm. and she makes a life for herself in the local community. And it's not necessarily a romantic mm. story. It's just she inherits a property and then she gets to live live a lovely little life in the country. I'm thinking Thornyhold by Mary Stewart, to be precise. Although there is a romantic element in that. But there's a little bit of me that also wants to know that parallel story where Carlian isn't really in it. But she she just lives with Miss Beckles, perhaps in a romantic way. I don't know. Um, yeah. And they just have a nice life together at high noons. Yeah, I'd read it. But, but yeah. We'll hear for this, this way is good as well. Funny, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a Georgia Hayburn. There has to be a, a, a romantic attachment in it, doesn't it? That's true. That's true. So should we talk about our main characters? Mm. So Eleanor, she's a she's a very likable heroine, isn't she? Because she's one of the older ones and she's quite capable. Um, and she's fallen on hard times. So her father yeah. killed himself mm. um, in uh, lots of debts, and, yeah. um, and and that's why, and left her penniless. And so that's why she's a governess. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's got. You don't really get to um, 
hear a lot about the pain that must have caused. No. Do you? So there's definitely hints of it. Mm. And I think there's quite interesting bits where um, she's talking, so Carly, and she's talking to Carly about her past life. Mm. And then she quickly changes the subject every time it comes yeah. Every time she starts to talk about her father or talk about her past life, which must have been, mm. you know, she was a lady. She was, mm. um, you know, she used to drive carriages. She said, yeah. she's, and then now she's a governess and now, mm. and she lives a life of drudgery, as he calls it. I, th- I think to cope with that situation, you would have to cut mm. yourself off from that previous life because dwelling on it would not help you, would it? I, I think that makes her a more, a likable character, like having that. You, yeah. you 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 can feel that she has had, you know, not a tough life probably in the scheme of things about how mm. um, people you know actual poor people lived in the region. Yeah. At least she had the option of being a governess. Yeah. But um, but you know she she was a lady. She did have all of this wealth, and then now she has nothing. Mm. And she didn't. And she's got a lot of pride. She didn't want to um, lean on her relatives. You don't seem very nice. No, and she doesn't even want to lean on her friend, Miss Beckles. No, no. I just want to be a burden. But then the problem Mrs. Beckles is not in a great position because no. she used to be a governess. And so whether that's financial, yeah. I, she, I mean, she does talk about um, the height of her ambition before meeting Carly and was, mm. um, was having a little house with Mrs. Beckles, but presumably she'd need to make enough money to allow that to happen. And yeah. that was what she was trying to do, mm. um, which sounds lovely. But yeah. Yeah. Which if we hadn't met our partners, that would have been our life. <laughs> we'd still be in our little plane Hines <laughs> Road yeah. um, you know what I find slightly odd about Eleanor um, Go on. she does not eat much food uh, so when she arrives at high noons like she hasn't eaten all day and she, oh, she's just oh I'll just have some bread and butter and I'm thinking this is why you're making bad decisions because you're hungry <laughs> I mean, she might she might eat off camera. <laughs> no, no, no. It, 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 it is in there. She was hungry, yeah. Yeah, and then that happens a couple yeah. of times. And right at the end as well, the day that she gets um, hit on the head in the clock incident, she um, yeah she mm. doesn't eat all day and ends up just having a macaroon. It's not good enough, Helena. You need to keep yourself fed. Yeah. Um, yes, I'm, I'm sure that is some of her testiness is because of that as well. <laughs> but, you know, like, so I think she's obviously spends quite a look quite a lot of the book complaining about her lot complaining about being swept yes. up in all of this and having ending up a widow overnight in a humorous way yeah exactly yeah so I think actually it's fairly justified to be a bit hmm. like what is going on what have I let myself in for yeah um but she does do it in a very it's all a bit tongue-in-cheek it's all mm. quite sardonic and um and again that makes her more likable I think yeah I, I like the fact also I think she comes across as a very good governess like the way she handles Nicky and stuff, even though he's a lot older, mm. um, she she does seem to understand people and their foibles and uh, how to handle them. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And I like the fact that she blushes a lot. Like there are various points where she gets, you know, there's like a suggestion that she's got feelings for Carly, and then she she flushes. Yeah. As a blusher, I'm I'm on her side. Yeah. One thing that does madden her though is everyone's immediate hero worship of Ned Carlion. Absolutely. So while, yeah, that that high-handedness infuriates her, she appreciates that he actually gets her humour, I think. 
Like a lot of people take her very literally in this book, whereas Ned gets. So, yeah, he does get a humour, but as well, he gets the... He, he seems to be the only person who has an understanding of the dif- how difficult her position is and ha- and what and, and the drudgery of yes. of her of her life being yeah. a being a governess. In fact, there's a nice bit where she describes there that. is yeah. It was impossible for her to listen to him unmoved. It was rarely that she had encountered a fellow creature who understood any part of the ills of her situation. Such casual acquaintances as she possessed seemed to think that the genteel nature of her chosen occupation must, must make it acceptable to her. But this strange, curt man, with his rather hard eyes and his almost blighting matter of fatness, had called her life a drudgery. He had said it without a trace of sympathy in either face or voice, but he had said it, and only those who had endured such a life could know how true it was. And you know why he knew that? Because he's perceptive. He is perceptive and he he understands her he and he understands his brothers very well mm. and he's very perceptive of um francis um Cheviot and and eustace um, in fact he understands their nature yes in fact let's dig into the character of ned carlion or edward carlion So he's obviously used to being in charge. He's he took over the sort of the, the running of his family mm. quite early on when his it's father a big died. Family. Mm, yeah. Um, so there's three other three brothers and two sisters. Is that right? Maybe was there three, three brothers, sisters. three sisters? Yeah. Yeah. They had big families in those days. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, used to having his own way, and his family are obviously very much dependent on him yes so nikki who the youngest brother obviously more directly um dependent on him yeah because he's 18 is he it, okay 18? i was going to ask right that sounds about right i think so because they refer he she refers to him being a teenager oh, yeah he's, he's up uni, at oxford he? isn't he yeah yeah um, or down from oxford or cambridge mm. um you get the sense the rest of them very much rely on his judgment including yes. john who is the most sensible one of them. Mm. Yeah, they all look up to him. He, he, you know, yeah. whatever he says goes, really, doesn't it? He's very masterful, isn't he? Yeah. I, there's a bit that he says that I really like, where I think Nikki is chastising him for not keeping him in the loop about what's going on and and how knowing he is. And Carlion says, you think that I know everything because I don't tell you until I'm sure. Which is a good rule to live by, perhaps. Yeah. Especially when you're speculating against people being traitors. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's uh, he's kind of always unruffled. He's very pragmatic. Mm. Um, I think he's a, he's a lovely foil for Eleanor because when she goes off on her sort of flights of fancy, talking mm. about kind of the, the gothic nature of the home and the situation he's put her in, him, yeah, puts her in, he'll kind of play along with it and tear up to keep going with it. You know, like he will, yeah. he will continue being, she gets more dramatic and he gets even calmer. Yeah. And it just makes it really fun for the reader and, and a, a fun interaction between the, the both of them. Yeah. But I mean, also, um, 
so that has to that has two effects on her doesn't it so she she does get frustrated mm. with her her quite legitimate fear is not being recognized yes <laughs> but also it does make her feel calmer and it does make her feel um yeah. like things aren't quite as bad yes um as they seem well so, she was when yeah. he's not around she misses him which says yeah yeah i have a question yeah. for you rach mm. do you think that ned is careless of eleanor's well-being so I think that he never, he he doesn't believe she is in danger. So, she, so he does what he does um, because he thinks it's the best thing for everybody. Mm. Um, and I know a lot of people like this that, that behave like this. This is quite a it's quite a, a believable character. He believes that, but but absolutely mm. likes has to have things his own way and wouldn't consider somebody else's um worries as being as legitimate as his <laughs> conviction that he's okay do you see what i mean it's like a yeah but i think you yeah. know some awful people well no no is that just, just like people that like their own way i guess we all do that okay um but a, la- a lack of empathy. Well, does he have a lack of empathy, actually? Because he he does empathise. He just um, listens and still does what he wants to do. <laughs> still... Actually, you know what? You know when he... I, th- I feel like he actually gets a little bit of real emotion. Um, I think I think it's Eleanor says to him something like, what if I'd have died after she got paperweighted in the head? Um, and he suddenly becomes quite... Kurt and yeah. it, it feels like he's just it's just kind of suddenly hit him in fact let me find that so Mrs Mrs Cheviot said of course I've dreamed the whole she said I was not hit on the head at all he laughed you are refining too much upon the event Mrs Cheviot I am sure it gave you a fright but there is not much harm done and it is unlikely that you will suffer any further annoyance oh she gasped how abominable you are not much harm done indeed further annoyance Pray, in what terms would you have described my murder? He did not answer for a moment. And then he said curtly, We're not discussing murder, Mum. And you just see, you yeah. feel that there's that little pause where he, it kind of hits him that he might have lost her. Yeah. So, yeah, it's nice to see that 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 mm. emotion at this point in the in the novel because he, he does keep his cards close to his chest. While we're on the elder Carlian... Shall we shall we just move over to the the brothers, John and Ned? John and yeah. Nikki. I love Nikki. Nikki's a fun one. And you know what I really love Eleanor and Nikki's relationship. Yes. And their exchanges are fantastic. Mm. It's important because presumably they're gonna to live together in the same house for a while. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, when we meet Nikki, he's just killed someone or been involved in the death of someone, and he bounces back from that quickly, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he does. He does. <laughs> but mean, even though I think he's living in the dead guy's house, <laughs> I, I think um, one of one of my favourite bits is when they're they're giving an account of the inquest, 
and and apparently the locals wanted to shake his hand for doing them a service of getting rid of this awful character and they do have to paint Eustace as being a truly abominable person I think in order to get away with this plot where essentially no yeah. one cares that he's dead and actually it's a relief he had to be a proper villain that was mm. was basically gonna die soon for some from some cause yeah. whatever yeah because he had a sickly constitution he mm. was awful he drank a lot yeah yeah he was a bad man he was on his way out mm. nick on the other hand just a nice straightforward young boy loves adventure he really like took getting shot pretty well he wasn't a great patient admittedly i, I like the bit where no. it said um something like he did the doc he did the doctor the 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 favor of um putting his arm in the sling whenever he didn't need his arm <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that must have been infuriating and then of course he's got um his faithful companion bouncer which bouncer by the way is my idea of a dog from hell i do not like the sound of bouncer he's no lufra he's no, no ulysses no well no and he yeah um, the, the bit where he traps eleanor in a chair because nikki sets bouncer to guard eleanor as in keep her safe bouncer interprets that as make sure she doesn't leave that chair yeah. well and also the best bit was the when he nikki comes back mm. and he's actually just really pleased with bouncer because he actually did something <laughs> that he was told to do it wasn't his fault that he he was a good guard dog and also mm. bouncer probably bouncer yeah yeah um, sorry, just like that's the dog in neighbours, and I thought did I just get that wrong. But, um... No, you're right. Every time I was reading that, I was thinking, oh, bouncer, like from Neighbours, the Australian soap. Yep. <laughs> but I think the bit that I like in that whole incident is where um, Eleanor discusses her reading material. Yeah. So he's, he is keeping a very um, close guard on her. Uh, there was a small book upon one of the shelves, and she managed to secure this without incurring censure from her guardian. It proved to be a copy of the Turf Remembrancer, and for the next hour or more it was Eleanor's only solace. She culled from it much valuable information, such as had not before come in her way, and followed with bewildered interest the careers of several animals who rejoiced in names which ranged from the comparatively commonplace to the wildly fanciful. She could conjure up little enthusiasm for lightning or thunderbolt, but read with satisfaction an account of parentage and prowess of watch them and catch them, and of fear not victorious, and would have been almost ready to have answered a catechism on their form, and the weights they would be likely to carry in any forthcoming race. But however entrancing the names of racehorses might be, the turf remembrancer could not but pall upon her. By the time Barrow came into the room midway through the afternoon, she was heartily sick of it, and would have been hard put not to have thrown it at Nicky's head had it been he and not Barrow who entered. Imagine that's the book you're stuck with. Yeah. I mean, if you're stuck in a chair, you want to read a George Ayer. Yeah, you'd be really irritated by mm. by that, and then and then uh, and then not when you do get rescued, no one having any sympathy for the fact <laughs> that you've had to sit in a chair for <laughs> hours yeah. and hours and hours. You know what? I was I was reading that thinking, what if she needed the toilet? Mm, well, she, that's why she doesn't eat or drink anything. <laughs> just in case she gets trapped in a chair again just in case <laughs> but one of my favorite exchanges between nikki and eleanor is when she when they when he finds the secret stair mm. um i love that by the way last time we spoke it was a talisman ring and there was a priest hole this time we've yeah. got the reluctant widow giving us a secret stairway i really do like 
a secret stair. Yeah. And I would, you know, I'd love to stay in a country house that had a little, mm-hmm. um, little secret, as long as, you know, it was safe and no French spies were going <laughs> to come in through it. I would kind of pay extra for a French spy, to be honest. I think that would be amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, so this is the bit, um, the bit that I really like. So Nikki's just found the secret stair. It's the most famous thing, he informed her. It is just just as I supposed. The stair goes down the chimney stack. It is the bakehouse chimney, you know, and there is a door at the bottom, only it is covered over with creepers. You would never see it unless you search particularly for it. I wonder how they hid it in the old days. I wonder, said Eleanor, gazing at him in a fascinated way. I suppose there's no difficulty in opening the door from the outside? Oh, no, not in the least. There's a latch and... You've only to part the creepers and you may see it as plain as anything. Cousin Eleanor, I was never more pleased with anything in my life. It is first rate. Why, we have nothing up like this up at the hall. How wretched for you, said Eleanor. Well, I do think it's unfair that a paltry fellow like Eustace should have such a bang-up thing when I dare say he never made the least use of it. Only think what Harry and I could have done if we had such a passage up at the hall. Um, yeah, so I... I really enjoy that exchange that, that yeah. Eleanor's thinking, yeah, anyone can go through this <laughs> secret stair. This is like, <laughs> this is this is horrible. And, and Nikki is the best thing ever. She is living with the, the least sensible of the brothers, isn't she? Yeah. That's quite a burden to bear. Yeah. In comparison to the flighty Nikki, or just the young Nikki, really, I guess we're all like that when we're younger. Um, John, on the other hand, he likes dishing out a bit of a telling off, doesn't he? Um, Maybe a little bit fusty, but he's obviously got a heart of gold. He's a good guy. He is, yeah. And I do like, I think that's, there's a few, you have this in a lot of Hayer books where you have these these great secondary characters Mm. and you, and the different characters are so important because they oppose each other and, Mm. um, yeah, and they play off so well against each other because of their differences. Yes, I totally, totally agree. Yes. Um, I, I like it when at the end, Francis Cheviot refers to him as an excellent official because John, yeah. John says, yeah, I, I wouldn't even know how to smuggle papers into the horse guards. And he, he's obviously just got such a straight way of thinking. Like he, he cannot think like a criminal. He's so straight-laced. Yeah. Well, I think... He he basically he basically says you can do it, but I don't want to know how you do it. Yeah, or, or <laughs> um, yeah, or anything about it. I want an absolutely plausible deniability. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, and Francis is fairly funny at that point where he says <laughs> he's a perfect official. Yeah. Um, what I do love, uh, I think my favourite scene with um, John and Nikki is when they fly the kite. Oh yeah, yeah. I I absolutely love that. So I think at this point. They are searching through Eustace's papers looking for this memorandum. Yeah, this and this kite has it was it was stolen by Oh yeah, there's backstory. Eustace, oh, no, yeah. I think it was I think it was always Eustace's oh, sorry, kite. Sorry, Eustace, sorry, yeah, yeah, I mean yeah. It was Eustace's oh, kite, it? wasn't it? But that he wouldn't let anyone else play with it, maybe? Oh, was it that? There was a theft, wasn't there? There was something something else was stolen. But um yeah. So yeah, when they're clearing things out. Nikki comes across this kite. Nikki looked into the room saying, Look, is this not the very one, John? Aye, 
That is it, John replied, glancing up at the gaudy, if somewhat faded, kite he was being shown. What do you mean to come and try if it will fly? Flying kites at my age. I should rather think not. Cannot you see that I am busy? Oh, fusty work, Nick said, disappearing again. John returned to his task, but happening to raise his head a few minutes later, caught sight of Nicky in the garden. His attention remained riveted, and he presently ejaculated, One would fancy him a schoolboy. Incurable folly. Neither Carlian nor Eleanor returned any answer, and after a slight pause, during which he continued to look out of the window, he said testily, That's no way to go about it. Why does he not take it into the meadow? There cannot be wind enough in this hollow. Here is a book of household accounts, twenty years old, said Eleanor. Shall I lay it aside to be burnt? Yes, certainly, he said absently. There. You've got it entangled in the hedge. Ned, that boy will be hurting his shoulder if he persists. I'll go out to him. He left the room abruptly as he spoke, and five minutes later Eleanor had an excellent view of him upon the lawn, arguing with Nicky. Both brothers then departed in the direction of the meadow, bounced her at the hills, and were no more seen until the light began to fail, and Carlin had called for his carriage. They came in then, flushed and untidy, but full of satisfaction in having found the kite to be in famous shape, and very hot against their deceased cousin for the selfishness which had made him refuse to allow them to fly it years ago, when, as John rather unconvincingly said, they might really have enjoyed such a childish pastime. I lo- I just love that image of them coming back yeah. in like two like slightly muddy overgrown schoolboys being caught out doing something a little bit immature. Yeah, it's really sweet. Yeah. So before we move on to the baddies, mm. baddie, spoiler, I love him. <laughs> yeah, uh, about Mrs. Beckles. Oh yeah, whose name is Becky Beckles? Yeah, I'd love that name, or- Becky Beckles. Or is it just that they've turned her surname into an affectionate first name? Oh, I see. Well, no, she calls, Eleanor calls her Becky. Wow. Yeah. Anyway. I'm I'm glad you Um, drew my attention to that. Yeah. Um, Well, I'm assuming that, or or maybe, yeah, maybe you are right. And it's just a little nickname, but I don't think Eleanor would give a nickname to Mrs. Beckles. No. She's lovely as well, Miss Beckles. I think she handles Nicky very well, like getting him to eat sensible food when he's recuperating. But I do really enjoy as well that Eleanor is sort of expecting Mrs. Beckles to be sympathetic to her a lot. And she just, um, she's totally bewitched, like all of us are, by Carly. And oh no, his lordship will know best. Oh, I mean, someone told you. There's a lot of that. I said that about your yeah. partner, you would go nuts, wouldn't you? I know I would. Mm. Oh. Yeah, but um, yeah, I, I, I feel for Eleanor with everybody around her mm. just can be completely swept along by the madness. So we've spoken about the lovely people so far. Shall mm-hmm. we get into the amazing personage of Francis Cheviot? he's quite the character he is quite the character so i just want to point out this is another mm. um dandy uh, villainous dandy yeah who likes cats over dogs which <laughs> are two of the biggest sins in hair world yes um oh and he's a bit of a hypochondriac as well i think like that might need mm. to be added onto the list there um yeah I think he gets a really great intro. Can I read that for you? Well, with the, yeah, do it, yeah. So I think one of the weapons in Francis's arsenal is this sort of way he used torrents of speech uh, to disarm mm. people and to overwhelm them. 
Although occasionally he does say too much, as we know. Um, so mm-hmm. he arrives outside High Noons. Um, and he says to his valet, Crawley, I, d- I do trust that you have rung that bell, for if I stand in this disagreeable wind, you know I shall take cold, and my colds always descend upon my chest. How thoughtless it was in you to have handed me down from the chase until the door had been opened. Ah, oh, here is that deplorable henchman. Yes, Barrow, it is I indeed. Take my hat. No, no, Crawley had best take my hat, perhaps. And yet if he does so, who is to assist me out of my greatcoat? How difficult all these arrangements are. Ah, oh, a happy thought, you have laid my hat down, Crawley. I do not know where I should be without you. Now my coat, and pray be careful. Where is a mirror? Crawley, you cannot have been so foolish as to have packed all my hand mirrors. No, I thought not. Hold it a little higher, I beg of you, and give me my comb. Yes, that will serve. Barrow, you may announce me to your mistress. Um, wow. Yeah. And you could, and you can absolutely understand why that puts everyone mm. a little bit, like... They underestimate him at that point, don't they? Yeah, exactly. They under, I mean... Um, yeah, because they sort of, he's written off as a bit of an effeminate dandy. Mm. Um, whereas, obviously, Carlian's not. Carlian has noticed three separate incidents where he's thought, oh, Francis is dangerously intelligent. Yeah, ruthless, mm. ruthless person. But I do like that Nicky um, basically dismisses him mm. as a enemy or as a, a, a villain yeah. because he prefers cats to dogs <laughs> which is strange because I think cats are much more likely to be an evil mastermind than a dog well that's what Eleanor says isn't it she says oh he's mm. like a cat he's mm. like a cat mm-hmm. um, but I think that's a bit unfair on cats but <laughs> where's the bit hold on one second so they're talking about who the whether um Francis is um is a villain and what he's up to and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So Nikki says, if Ned is right and he and he is indeed a dangerous fellow, but I own I cannot believe that a, a fellow who prefers cats to dogs and will not stir without his smelling sorts with him can be worth a button. But if he is, is indeed then I swear he will go to work in some devilish and cunning way you and I would never think of. So I <laughs> I I do quite like that he, yeah, he fools people by his little affectations. Mm. Um, but uh, I, I read that thinking he would actually be a fantastic spy because you know yeah. he's very good ton. You see him everywhere. Mm. He knows everyone. He knows how to get documents into a building. So presumably he knows how to get them out. Mm. He's got some skills. Well, that's the thing, actually. He's not really the proper villain, is he? No. Mm, yeah, and, and I think that's sort of reflected in the fact that at the end of all this adventure, the rather the rather anticlimactic part of this is that they just give him the memorandum to put back mm. in a, in its rightful place. Um, mm. But it, it, he is genuinely a troubling character because I mean he he talks about how he killed his very good friend Louis. Yeah, he, he does try and justify it by saying that he you know. He did it as nicely as possible, but and then and then he said, he well he he gave Carlyon to understand that he would have murdered his own father if he had been needed. Mm. He's he is yeah. deeply ruthless, and and he's definitely 
giving it because he didn't mur- have to murder his father, but he he did. He was in, very ruthless in making him retire from oh, yeah. from his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could tell, uh, you know, that conversation would have been hor- horrendous. Yeah, for you know, for the father. Oh no, he did do some something very bad. Yes, but, um, still, I I uh, am slightly fascinated by. I'm really interested by the fact that Francis, I feel, gets the big speech at the end. You know, the big reveal of the plot because he mm. explains to to Ned what's been going on, and and it's a lovely speech. It's it's really good. You get all sorts of insight into his character, and I, I think mm. he actually acknowledges some of his personality traits. But also, um, when he so he would not have revealed that he'd killed his friend Louis mm. if Ned hadn't already known it and said he'd known it. Because oh, yeah. there's a bit where he said, "Oh, you know, oh, you know that, do you?" And he's obviously irritated that mm. he does know that because obviously that paints him in a lot worse light. Oh yeah. So he does, yeah, recognize that. But anyway, go on. Yeah, it's, he suddenly stepped up, hasn't he, from being somebody yeah. who is trying to rectify a horrible mistake made by his father to a cold-blooded murderer. Mm. And it obviously takes a lot for him to have to go to Ned mm. and and say and say all of this. Yeah, because he he would obviously prefer not to have done that, mm-hmm. um, and to for his uh, ruthlessness to be and and the folly of his father to be revealed. That's true. Um, when he's having that conversation with with Ned at the end, he says, "Ah, uh, uh, perhaps I should make it plain at once that even though I am susceptible to colds and infinitely prefer cats to dogs, I have not been selling information to Bonaparte's agents." how degrading it is to be obliged to say so. My interest in this affair is neither personal nor patriotic. You remark, I hope, the example I set you in that admirable virtue we were discussing a moment ago. And yet, am I being perfectly frank when I say my interest is not personal? Let us rather say that I am anxious to avoid a scandal. Somehow I feel reasonably certain that a man of your excellent common sense must be similarly anxious. Mm. And then he goes on to kind of explain, yeah, everything that happened. But yeah, so I, I think that that passage shows that Francis is aware of how he's viewed. Probably because that is the image that he cultivates deliberately to, you know, yeah. set people at their ease around him. Yeah, he doesn't want to be found out, does he? No. Um, is that enough of villainy? I do love a villain, but yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, what, he's one of my favourite villains, and I would happily read a story with him as an anti-hero. Yeah. He's just got enough charm to make it work. Okay, so in the process of um, uncovering this mystery, of course, we have the romance bubbling along in the background, which is lovely. It is quite far in the background, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, of course. It always is with these adventure ones. Yeah, and I don't mind that. No. Like, they're just two people who meet and like each other and fall in love. There's, there's not a big yeah. uh, character arc for either of them. No. Um it- it feels like they have all their deep and meaningful conversations when they first meet and then there's just yeah. banter. Yeah. But, which I, I wouldn't have minded a few more kind of meaty conversations in there, but that's that's fine. I like the fact that um, Ned's sister, Lady Flint, 
sort of is onto yeah. it straight away. And in fact, I think she she asks Eleanor about how she feels. So Lady Flint says to Eleanor, um, "Do you like him?" Indeed, Eleanor said, quite taken aback. Lord Flint appeared to be a most amiable, stupid, not Flint, Carlion. Eleanor was vexed to feel herself colouring. She replied stiffly, certainly. I am sure his manners and address are such as must universally please. There was a pout, an arch look. Oh, sad stuff. Do you quarrel with him? Does he make you very cross? If you must have the truth, said Eleanor, he is the most odious, overbearing, inconsiderate, abominable man I have ever met. She was instantly embraced. Famous! How often I've said the same. You'll deal admirably together. I'm glad I've seen you. So, so yeah. Sisters automatically know. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, like she knew before either of them knew, really, didn't she? Didn't she? Yeah, because she teases Carleen about it a little bit as well, doesn't she? Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it, I mean, it is quite a nice thing. So, yeah, they, they have their big conversations to start off with. Mm. She, they, she realises he's someone that can understand what she's been through Mm -hmm. someone who doesn't care that her dad yes i like that whenever she raises it he kind of says what's i got to do with anything and i do think as well she however much she says oh you know i've been um yeah i've been dragged along in this and i'm i've been forced into it a bit Mm. she does like you know this she's had to make these difficult decisions for the last six years Mm. and then suddenly she's got somebody that sort of takes that away from her a little bit and she doesn't necessarily have to make yeah. decisions anymore. It's a bit of a Frederica Alverstoke thing, isn't it? Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and so you get that quite early on, that that's, that's mm. the way she's feeling, mm. and then you get some hints that he likes her, and then really the only romance is at the end. Yes, and, and you know... Apart from the bit, the little bit where she hits her head, where she hits her head, though, she gets hit on the head. <laughs> And by far, she gets she gets paperweighted, which I'm now using as a verb. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he picks um, her up in his strong arms with his broad shoulders and carries her to the sofa or something. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's quite touching. But, and yeah, and also afterwards, that uh, they're having a discussion about, um, you know, she says, so they're having a discussion about what's happened, and um, and and he suddenly softens and says, "Oh, my poor girl, mm. shall I take you away from all of this?" And that's. Um, that's the first bit where we get him being a bit softer and an indication yeah. that he likes her. Yeah. But it, it is, as often in these types of hay novels, the proposal scene that does the heavy lifting in terms oh. of the, the romance. Yeah. And I yeah. I think she does that well, actually, because he stays in character by still being very calm yeah. and sort of and high-handed, to be honest, but peppering it with, with some quite full-on declarations of love yeah it, it yeah it's it's a lovely proposal isn't it and i think and you're right it, oh it's like he almost says it like well you, you obviously know that i like you yeah. so let's get married <laughs> yeah I and mean, she was totally blindsided wasn't she yeah yeah it feels like that a bit um should we have a look at that proposal scene yeah let's do it i mean you know it's why we're here really isn't it you could just read the last 10 pages of most georgia hay and I would be happy. Maybe I could do that. Maybe I could just create my own vote. Like, I'll buy some secondhand Georgia Hay novels, just take out all the proposal scenes and put them into a separate book. I'm basically talking about making some weird Frankenstein's monster out of Georgia Hay novels, aren't I? Yeah. Okay, you don't look like you're on board. What I thought you were going to say mm-hmm. was 
take the end bit, all yeah. the proposals and everything, mm-hmm. and then you write the next bit, what happens next. Oh, well, that's nice. No, yeah. I'm just going to create a weird monster. Well, that's why you lost me and that's why I went. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, right at the end, the adventure's been tied up neatly. Um, and Carlion says to Eleanor, I hope you'll think better of this determination to seek another post as governess. Well, I shall not, I assure you, sir. I told you once before that I would not become your pensioner, and I beg of you to believe that I meant it. I hope that you will become my wife, he replied, with all his usual calm. She was stricken to silence, and was aware of nothing but the hammering of her heart in her chest. He continued after a moment. I should not be making such a declaration to you yet, but I think my sentiments cannot be unknown to you. Quite, quite unknown, my lord she said in a voice which did not seem to be her own. I have tried to conceal them. It is too soon, and I would not upon any account embarrass you, but when the period of your strict mourning is over, it is my very ardent desire to be permitted to pay my addresses to you. She could only say, It is absurd. I am persuaded this is one of your whimsical turns, my lord. My whimsical turns? No, indeed. I was never more serious in my life. You were the only woman I could think of asking to be my wife. You must be aware, at least, that I have found no common delight in your company. No, no, I had not the least notion. Oh, pray do not, my lord, this is some chivalrous conceit. You cannot mean it. He sounded amused. My dear child, when have you ever known me to indulge in such romantic follies as chivalrous conceit? Indeed, my overbearing, self-willed ways may have given you a distaste of me, which not all my future efforts will serve to eradicate. Is it so? No, said Eleanor. Oh, no, but... He found her hand and raised it to his lips. Well... I've used you quite abominably, but I will not do so any more. I mean to take the greatest care of you, if you'll let me. Ah, oh, that's nice. I love that bit. Yeah, that 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 made me cry. That bit with not right now, but when I read it before. <laughs> um, that that I mean to take. I mean to take the greatest care of you. Mm. I think that because just because she's hasn't had anyone to take care of her for the last six years not because women need people to take care of them but just because everyone does and she's been quite alone I think yeah and just to have that such a lovely thing to say I just want you know I want to take care of you yeah oh and then he goes on to say um but here in the privacy of my carriage I need not scruple to say Eleanor I have fallen very deep in love with you and I beg that you will honor me with your hand in marriage oh I was going to say at the very end he loses me a little bit he says something I'm not entirely <laughs> I might be reading too much into it but she's still sort of doing her kind of half-hearted oh I, oh, I don't know if I should blah 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 oh I know yeah clearly yeah. they're going to get married um and he says to her Eleanor I've spent a great deal of my life in listening patiently to much folly in my sisters I can support it with tolerable equanimity in you I neither can nor will will you accept of my hand in marriage or will you not and then it's the whole recognising his lordship's disordered intellect was beyond mending. The widow abandoned the attempt to reclaim his wits, leaned her cheek thankfully against his shoulder, and said with the utmost meekness, Yes, Edward, if you please, I would like it of all things. There's something about how he's talking about Folly and his sisters and Eleanor that in my head is just oh, yeah. screaming, Oh, you mean women. You mean women no, being, no, yeah. being foolish. And then she's meek at the end. She submits with meek meekness. Usually with a Georgia Hare ending, I'm like, I want more. I want I want more paragraphs, more chapters. In this one, I'm kind of like, oh, could you have just cut it a couple couple of paragraphs earlier? So 
yes i guess the only thing is so that the whole last few pages has been about her saying no because mm. because of my because of i'm a governess no because of my father no because mm. thing, and and, it, and i guess it just ends with him finally convincing her um and her really wanting it and so then she's i yeah and then so she said yes i'd like it above all things so i know what you mean there is a bit of a there is a bit of misogyny there i think but um as well there is just somebody who who doesn't think that she's worthy and who's then been convinced that she is worthy okay <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure you've convinced yourself on that one, but... Um. <laughs> Shall we decide on our next book? Ooh, let's. Cool. It's your turn, I think. It is my turn. And I had mentally picked the book I had in mind. And then... <laughs> As opposed to shouting out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then somebody on Instagram said, Oh, uh, oh I hope you're going to do this book. And I thought, great. And then somebody on Twitter said, oh, I hope you leave this one to last. And, oh, I felt like I was in quite the pickle. But I've just decided to do what I want. Um, so we're going to do it. Um, like Carlian. Be like Carlian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, high-handed. That's the way do I'm Do what you want. Yeah. <laughs> um, we are going next time with Venetia. Oh, now want... you see, that's good, isn't it? That's a yeah. good, that's a change. That's why I picked it. This doesn't just happen. It'll be good. No, however much it might seem like it just happens. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good one. That's a good one because, um, yeah, this is this a really meaty love story, this, isn't it? Mm. Lovely. So we hope you join us next time around. Um, if you haven't yet, please rate and review us. Somebody, somebody said today on Twitter that we brought them joy. And don't mm. we all need a bit more joy in our lives? So, you know, if you've introduced a friend to Georgette Heyer as I, I hope you all have as is your duty <laughs> yes um, maybe you could also introduce them to our podcast that'd be nice um, cool so for now we will just say goodbye um, and we hope to have you join us next time bye bye bye